John chapter number 21. I'd like to begin reading in verse number 1. Very familiar passage of Scripture. I believe it will be a help to us this evening. After these things, Jesus showed Himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed He Himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of His disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a-fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon in bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them, and fish will likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved, because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Pray with me tonight, if you will. Heavenly Father, pray that you'd bless your word. Do in hearts what only you can do. Help us to be submitted and surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God. Help us, Father, do business with you as would bring you glory and honor. We love you tonight, Lord, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As I read this passage of Scripture, I'm struck by what a startling question our Lord asks Simon Peter. Now, could you imagine if you were Simon Peter? I mean, for three and a half years, you'd walk with the Lord, you'd talk with the Lord, you'd ate with the Lord. Wherever He slept, you slept. Wherever He went, you went. Whatever He did, you did. And now, all of a sudden, after three and a half years of walking with Him, our Lord, after He's been crucified, buried, rose again the third day in power and in glory, after all of the history that they had together, our Lord asks as basic a question of Simon Peter as this, Simon, son of Jonas... Lovest thou me? And you can tell that it takes Peter back for a moment. The first time he just simply answers, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And maybe if the Lord asks us that once, we might say, Of course, Lord, you know I love you. 
And a second time, the Lord asked Simon this. And he says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And then a third time he asked him. Now, by this time, Peter's starting to be grieved. It's starting to worry him. It's starting to make him anxious. Peter is now questioning not whether the Lord knows it, but how much he knows it. And he says, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Let's flip the tables for a moment. You know, we're awful hard on the disciples. I know if if you and me were disciples, we wouldn't mess up like they did. Somebody say amen right there. You know how we say that? I mean, we say, if if it was me, I wouldn't have done that. If it was me, I wouldn't have looked down. I would just walked on water straight to Jesus. Yeah, because now you know what would happen if you hadn't. Amen? (laughs) Now you know. It's easy. We read the Word of God. We've got 2,000 years of Bible Christianity behind us. And we get awful judgmental. But put yourself in Simon Peter's shoes and ask yourself this. How would I feel if the Lord asked me this same question? You know, I think it's the very key element of Christianity. Do you love the Lord or not? We we say it all the time, boy, I love the Lord. We know that the Lord loves us. And we say, boy, I love the Lord. And we say it all the time. You can tell a Christian by how much he loves the Lord. It's a basic elemental process and part of Christianity. Do you love the Lord or not? I'd propose to you there's lots of people in this world that think they love the Lord that don't love Him quite as much as they think they do. I'd propose to you there's lots of people in this world that have all their T's crossed and their I's dotted. They've got their Sunday best on. They've got the right Bible. They've got the right music. They've got everything in the world that they need to be right, except they just don't love the Lord. They're doing it for man's sake, but they're not doing it for the Lord's sake. They've got everything in proper order except the most basic element of Bible Christianity tonight, which is do you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind? We find that the Lord equated the love of God as holding the entire weight of the Old Testament law. He said, uh, when they came to our Lord and said, what's the greatest of the commandments? And he said, well, here's one you haven't heard yet, big boy. (laughs) He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he made this statement on, on these, hang all the law and the prophets. You see, if we could just love God right, we'd be what we need to be tonight. If we could just really get a handle on this thing of loving God, it'd change us. I I don't mean get a handle on the fact that He loves us tonight. I I think we're quite far away from really grasping how much God loves us. But I'm just saying if we could get to the point that we love God more than we love anything else, it'd revolutionize our lives. I'd like to say a few things about this question, and then I promise I'm not going to keep you long. It took Simon Peter back, but I'd say uh, three things about his love. And I think it's pretty honest. You're going to say, preacher, this is basic. Yeah, but we need to get it tonight. I'd say that Simon Peter had a questionable love. Obviously, the Lord wouldn't have questioned it. Now, we look at that and say, well, of course, Simon Peter did look at all the bad things that he did. Aren't you glad Simon Peter ain't here tonight to say that about you? (laughs) Aren't you glad he ain't here tonight uh, to pick your life apart? And aren't you glad that your deepest and darkest problems aren't recorded on the pages of God's inspired and preserved and inerrant Scripture? The truth of the matter is, we've done a lot worse things than Peter did. I believe there's three reasons that it's questionable love. And you might find that if you look at your own love of God tonight, you might find it's maybe a little bit more questionable than you think. I believe there's three reasons the Lord questioned it. I believe, first off, He questioned Peter's action, Peter's love because of His actions. You know, the way we act has a lot to do with who we are. 
We act a certain way, and most of the time, you can tell something about a man's heart by the way he acts. We get on to teenagers all the time about their rebellion. You know adults are just as bad, if not worse, about rebellion. Wait till you see one of them pulled over by a state trooper. Drive by, look at the look on their face, and tell me adults don't have a problem with rebellion. The fact of the matter is, we can see it in teenagers. And when a teenager has rebellious actions, we say it's because they have a rebellious heart. But I'd propose to you tonight, neighbor, that there's a lot of grown adults in this world that are just as rebellious against God. And it's evident by the way that they act. I think you could tell by his actions because he denied the Lord. Boy, that's simple. That's simple. He sat by the warming fires of denial and denied that he knew our Lord. You know, I just kind of think God may have a hard time believing we love Him when we won't even confess Him amongst other people. I mean, I don't know. I, You know, maybe I'm just a little too basic. I don't know. I, I, I try. My wife has got on to me sometimes because I don't introduce her to people like I ought to. And i got a lot of things on my mind, and I'm going 24-7. I meet a lot of people. Uh, but, but if I know my wife is standing there, one of the things I always want to do is I always want to introduce her to people. You know why that is? Because I'm proud of her. Because I think she's pretty. I think she's smart. I think she's kind. I think she puts up with me, so she's got a touch of God on her. Amen. I, I, I think she's wonderful. And fellas, I don't know what you did to deserve who you got, because I got the best one in the world. And it makes me proud to introduce her. You know why? Because I love her. I want other people to know who I know because of the difference that she's made in my life. And so I don't deny her. I want people to know who I'm married to. But do you know that we're just as guilty of denying our Lord? Oh, you know, we may not cuss Him in public. I know that. But you know what we do? There's some of you that you'll pray over every meal that you have in your home, but you hit a restaurant and you wouldn't dare bow your head over your meal. There's some of you that you'll stand there with the preacher and talk God all day long, but you get around the friends that you've got or the coworkers you've got, all of a sudden your, your lips are locked tighter than they can be. What do you think that is? That's denying our Lord. You may not be cussing Him, but you're being closed-lipped about Him. Some of us, we, we, you know, we like to act like Christians around the church going crowd. Then we get around the world, we want to do everything we can to blend in with Him. You know why? We're scared that they're going to know we know somebody. We're scared that they're going to know that the God of heaven resides in our hearts. We're scared that they're going to know we're one of them fanatical Christians. You know the only kind of people that believe Bible-believing Christians are fanatical? Pharisees and lost people. That's it. That's it. we got fanatics about sports tonight. People go to a football game, baseball game, scream their head off. But, oh, let's not talk about religion now. We don't want to offend somebody. You ain't worried about offending somebody when you cut them off in traffic. Somebody say amen right there. We're sure worried about it when it comes to talking about, about Jesus Christ. It ain't no wonder we deny them with our actions. I think we're guilty of it. I think he denied him not only with his actions, but with his attitude. We get on to young people about this all the time. Boy, bad attitude just isn't a very Christian thing. But now, look out now when somebody steps on an adult's toes. Isn't that right? You ever met people you got to walk on eggshells around? Because you, you don't want to upset them? Because they, 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 they got they got a chip the size of a satellite dish and they're just daring people to knock it off? That's no more Christ-like neighbor than if you just get out here and get drunk in the middle of the church parking lot. But we don't mind living that way. We don't mind claiming the name of Christ and living that way. You know, I kind of think the Lord looks at us and says sometimes, if you really love me so much, why do you walk around with such thin skin on you? If you really love me so much, how come you won't love other people? 
as much as I love them. If you really love me so much, how come you bear such a bad attitude and claim the name of Christ? We get on young people say, well, your attitude just doesn't reflect that of a Christian. And listen, I agree with you. I've been a youth pastor. I'm a pastor. I've been, I've been with 51 kids all week. I know something about bad attitudes. Amen? But I think we're awful hard on these. See, you didn't know I was going to be preaching at you tonight. That's how we get you. We bring you in and say, we're going to preach camp service. You think, good, they're going to preach at my teenagers. We get you in here, and we've already preached to them all week, amen. They're right with God. We ain't got no more ground to gain with them, but we got you here tonight, amen. Now you're too embarrassed to head for the double doors. So just bear in with me tonight. We get on to the young people about their attitude, and we say, y'all not act like that. That's not acting like a Christian. And yet adults are just as bad about it. Quarreling and feuding and fighting with everybody we can find. And then, well, I'm a Christian. Well, you sure don't love people like Christ does. Am I okay? I mean, is that all right? Because I I just, that's how I see it. And you're going to have to forgive me. I'm not as eloquent as some people, so I just have to tell it like I see it tonight. I see a lot of adults in this world. They sit there and claim the name of Christ, but they sure don't have the attitude he had, who made himself of no reputation, took on himself the form of a servant, who was reviled and reviled not again, who suffered, suffered, and he didn't lash out. Smote, spit upon, beat, but Nellie bar the door if somebody says something cross to us. That's not, that's not the attitude of Christ. And I kind of believe the Lord looked at Peter and said, you know, uh, your attitude makes me question how much you love me. Not his salvation. Let's get that straight. Not his salvation. The Lord wasn't saying, Peter, do I love you? He's saying, Peter, do you love me? I want to question whether Peter knew the Lord. It wasn't a question whether the Lord loved Peter. It was a question of how much he really loved the Lord. And he said, because your attitude, it kind of makes me question how much you really love me, Peter. I believe we see because of his actions. I believe we see because of his attitude. But I believe we see it because of his apathy. You just buckle in for just a moment. You know why our Lord asked him this question? You know what the main cause really is? When Peter, in the earlier part of the chapter, said, I go fishing, he wasn't saying like that like us East Tennessee hillbillies do. He wasn't saying, I'm, I'm going to go get the Zebco, and I'm going to head down Norris Lake, I'm going to head to a fishing hole, bucket of worms, and I'm going to throw in, and uh, you know I'm just going to see if I can catch me a bluegill. That, that, that wasn't what he was saying. You see, Peter's job, Peter's life had been fishing. And what Peter is saying when he says, I go fishing, he's saying, I'm done with this whole discipleship thing. I'm done with it. Walking away from it, done with it. It ain't worth the trouble. He said, I'm going back to fishing for a living. You see, it was Peter's apathy that brought this into question. Peter had quit serving God, and it caused the Lord to question how much he loved him. Listen to me tonight. I kind of believe that people that love the Lord, you don't have to beg and bribe them to do something for God. I kind of believe people... I'm not talking about saved people, just saved people tonight. There's lots of people that are saved that don't love Christ. But I'm talking about people that love the Lord. You don't have to beg them to do something for God. You don't have to beg them to get to the house of God. You know what David said? (laughs) David said, I rejoice when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You don't have to beg them. You don't have to beg them to read their Bible. You know why? They want to hear from the man that they love. You don't have to beg them to pray. They want to talk to the person they love. You see, this thing is pretty pretty simple tonight. It's pretty easy tonight. Uh, You know, we can equate this whole thing. You'll find that you can equate the whole thing, the relationship you have with your spouse or with your family. 
Nobody has to beg me to talk to my wife. I want to talk to her because I love her. She may not want to hear from me all the time, amen, but, but I want to talk to her. No, Nobody, hey, listen. Listen, fellas, nobody has to beg me to listen to her either. You know why I'm interested in what she has to say. Nobody has to beg me to spend time with her. Nobody has to beg me to see her. You know why? Because I love her. It's that simple tonight. And yet there's some that claim they love Jesus Christ. But through their apathy, you can tell there ain't a shred of love there. There's some that used to serve God that quit on him. Why? Well, preacher, somebody hurt my feelings. Well, I guess you was doing it for them then. You weren't doing it for the Lord. Because the Lord didn't hurt your feelings. Preacher, I used to serve God, but things got bad in my life. Well, I guess you just figure he forsook you. No. No, you must just forsook him because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. You see, if you, if you and God are, are, are going to have distance in your relationship with each other, you're going to have to do the walking away. He's already said he won't do it. And tonight we see that it was a questionable love because of his apathy. He had walked away from serving God. And I just kind of think that people that love their master want to serve him, don't you? It was a questionable love, but I want you to know the second thing, it was a comparable love. He said, lovest thou me more than these? What are these? A lot of people have debated about this. You know that, young people? A lot of people have debated. What does that mean when it says these? I, I believe in one sense when it says these, it, uh, some people have said, well, he's saying, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? But, you know, I, I don't think the Lord would have would have asked him that question. I, I just don't because the Bible says comparing themselves amongst themselves becoming unwise. I don't think he would have said, do you love me more than these disciples love me? Because I don't think God's trying to get us in a big competition. Uh, run the race that is set before you, not the race that is set before others. And some people say, well, what he's saying, Simon Peter, is do you love me more than you love the other disciples? But, you know, that's just an easy question. You ever got an easy question before? You ever got an easy question you thought, man, that's an easy question. That's an easy question. It doesn't seem like a difficult question the Lord would have asked him. I mean, of course he's supposed to love the risen Savior more than the other disciples. And he hadn't shown love for the other disciples. You know what he had shown love for? That big old stinky pile of 150 and some change fishes. It was the fish he had left the Lord for. It was the fish that were the cause of him walking away from the ministry was the fish that he had turned his back on God for. I kind of believe that our Lord looked over at this big pile of fishes and he said, Simon Peter, do you love me more than these fishes? And I kind of think that that attributed to the, to the grief that Simon Peter felt. I kind of think that he looked at the Lord and said, well, Lord, it's just a big old stinky pile of fishes. Of course I love you more. But it wasn't about the fish. It was about what they represented. Those fish were a picture of his self-reliance. See, that was how Peter provided for himself before the Lord provided for him. They were a picture of his self-ambition. That was Peter's goal in life before his goal was to be pleasing to the Lord. And they were a picture of Peter's self-desire. That's what Peter wanted out of life before he wanted the Lord's will for his life. And so what he's really saying here is, Peter, is there something that you love more than me tonight? And I think it'd be worth us, worth our time to ask ourselves that question. Is there anything? Oh, neighbor, stop. Is there anything, anything that means more to us than Jesus Christ? So how do I find out if that's so? 
How do I find out if there's something in my life? Is there something that keeps you from giving your life to Christ? If so, you love that more than you love the Lord. Is there something that keeps you from the house of God? If so, you love that more than you love the Lord. Is there something that keeps me from giving as unto the Lord? Say, preacher, this is a money-making thing. You can look at our books over the past week, and you can tell me whether you think it's a money-making thing or not. You can tell me whether Wall Ridge Baptist Church is in a money-making business by putting on our camp. If you want to look at our books, look at our bills. That's not what we're interested in tonight. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be loving you if I didn't ask you this question. Is there something that's keeping you from giving as unto the Lord? You love that more than the Lord. Is there something keeping you from getting your heart right with Christ? Is there a bitterness in your heart keeping you from getting it settled with Jesus Christ tonight? If so, you love that bitterness more than you love Christ. Now, let's just cut it straight tonight. Let's just be honest. Is that okay? I mean, listen, I can shoot straight with your kids and they don't get upset with me. So I sure hope I can cut it straight with the adults without them getting upset with me. And the fact of the matter is, if we want to know whether there's something we love more than Jesus Christ or not, just what's a standing in the way of us having the life with Him we need to have? It's a comparative thing. Oh, you might love the Lord tonight. You just don't love Him more than you love this or that or the other. I, nobody's saying you don't love Him at all. It's a question of how much do you love Him tonight. There's lots of people that have a basic surface love of Jesus Christ. The problem is they look at it only from the upward. They never search it. And so they have no idea how deep it really goes. Trial and tribulation sounds the depths of your love of Christ. Difficulty sounds the depths of your love of Jesus Christ. Adversity sounds the depths of your love of Jesus Christ. Oh, it's easy to serve Him in the good times, but you just wait till He puts you in a hospital bed and we'll find out whether you love Him or not. We'll just find out whether it's easy or not. The truth of the matter is this. It's not whether you love Him, it's how much do you love Him. How much is you teenagers, how much do you love Him? I know you feel like you love Him tonight more than anything in the world. But you, and I talked to you about this on Saturday, you, you, you came off of the mountaintop yesterday. Peter, James, and John, I'll share with you what I told Peter, James, and John were took up into the mountain with our Lord and saw Him transfigured. You know what Peter said? Peter said, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles and stay here. And these young people have spent the past week on the mountaintop and they've seen the glory of God in a mighty way. But the truth of the matter is this. There was a demon-possessed boy at the foot of the mountain that needed Christ. And there was a time they had to come off of the mountain and back into the world and be a witness and do a work. You've come off of the mountain. It's easy to love Him up there. Are you going to love Him down here? Are you going to love Him down here? We sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. I switched it up on the last verse and I had Him sing, When I get back home, I'll follow Jesus. When I get back home, I'll follow Jesus. When I get back home, I'll follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Some of you parents expect your kids to come home with camp religion that burns out in about two weeks. You know, if you'd encourage them a little bit, it might last longer than that. If you get them to church, it might last longer than that. You say, oh, preacher, you want them to come to Walridge. Hey, you need to be where God's will is for your life. But they need to be somewhere in God's house. But they're not going to get the nourishment and encouragement that they need. If you want them here, God bless you, that's wonderful. But if, if God's will for your family is somewhere else that's a Bible-believing church, then get them there. It doesn't matter. But you can't birth a child into this world and set them to the side and expect them to live. They must be nourished. They must be nourished. 
They must be protected. They must be watched over. It might last a little longer if the parents would encourage a little bit. And, and Hey, listen, I know you love me tonight, and I know I love you, so we're okay, aren't we? It's comparable love. Let me give you a final thing, and I'm going to hush. I'm just going to give it to you. I'm not going to take you to the verses or anything. I'm just going to give it to you. You ready? It's a computable love. You can determine how much you love Christ. Do you know that? You can determine that. You can determine that. The Bible says in 1 John 2.15, If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We can determine our love for Christ by our allegiance to Him. How important is He to you? If He's not very important to you, it's because you don't love Him very much. We was walking around here, the life center. By the way, some of your kids... Somebody went home without pants on Saturday. How does that even happen? <laughs> Glory to God. How did we let a kid get out of here without pants? We're walking in the life center, and there's a pair of pants sitting there. I think, how do we let that kid get out of here? Amen? Somebody's not paying attention. And we found stuff left over there, here and there and everywhere. You know why they was left there? Because they didn't care nothing about it. You know why you left God? Because you didn't care nothing about Him. He wasn't important to you. So if I'm living for God, great. If I'm, if I'm not, I'll be okay. It's no big deal. And if that's your attitude towards Christ, oh, you may love Him, but you sure don't love Him as much as you think you do. It's a computable love by our allegiance to Christ. If we're living for the world, if we're living for the devil, and if we're living in sins because we don't love God like we ought to, that's plain and simple enough. And, and I think that's fair, isn't it? What if I start stepping out on my wife and going and seeing some other woman, running around, didn't come home any time at night? You know what you'd say? You'd say, you know, I don't believe that preacher loves his wife. You'd be right, too. But we do that to God. And we walk around, we put on our Sunday best, we snap our suspenders, we carry our King James Bible, we go into the house of God, we shake hands, and we say, Oh, Lord, I love you so much, but it's the first time you pick that Bible up in six days. The only time you praise over a meal. The only time you ever tell anybody about the gospel is when they corner you by asking you if you go to church. That's not love. That's not love. That's apathy. That's a maintenance love. That's a love just deep enough to soothe our conscience. But you can tell by our allegiance whether we really love Him or not. I believe by our allegiance to Christ. I believe by our obedience to Him. John 14, 15 said, If you love me, Christ talking. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's so simple, isn't it? You don't love Christ if you don't obey Him. Preacher, that's hard. You're going to have to take up with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you don't keep His commandments, you don't love Him. You don't love Him. Not like you say you do. We can directly measure our love for Christ by our obedience for Him. And we get after young people for not obeying all the time. But the fact is, we don't obey God like we ought to, and then, then we don't want anybody to say anything about it. Because it's not their place. The fact of the matter is, you better hope you got somebody in your life that loves you enough to say something about it. Or else it's never going to change. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ a pauper when you could have come a prince. You're going to stand there bankrupt when you could have came blessed because no one had nerve enough to stand up and say, you don't really love him if you're not obeying him. It's a computable love. I want to give you one final thing. I believe it's computable by our affection towards Christians. The Bible says in John, 1 John 4.15, if you love God, you're going to love the brethren. You're going to love the brethren. I know everybody's a little different. Aren't you thankful everybody's a little different? Takes all kinds, don't it? I'm, that's our motto around Wall Ridge. <laughs> Takes all kinds. Takes all kinds. It's our motto. I know everybody's a little different. I know people have different personalities. I understand that. 
are some people that you're going to meet. You ever met somebody that's so laid back, you'd bust them in the nose and they'd thank you for doing it earlier in the day so it'd swell up before they went to bed at night and their nose wouldn't bleed. I mean, it's just that kind of person. Easy going, you know. But listen, these people quarreling all the time, feuding all the time, always got a criticism of somebody, always got a criticism of somebody, there's a lack of the love of God in their life. You say, preacher, I, I don't believe that tonight. Well, I don't know. Aren't you thankful the Lord don't criticize us like we criticize some people? Isn't that good? Isn't that right? Aren't you thankful the Lord don't do us like we do others? You know what we're doing when we're criticizing other people? We're, we're looking through a window and not looking in a mirror. We're aware of everybody else's problems. We're not aware of our own. A lot of times people that are critical do so to keep from noticing their own problems. I don't care who you are, neighbor. you got things people could criticize. And this preacher's more than anybody. There's things, I promise you. When you're in public ministry, neighbor, they pick your part of life, your, your life apart. And there's plenty of things you're going to find wrong with this preacher. You won't even have to look very hard to find them. But one thing I've learned is this. <laughs> if you'd have mercy, you must show mercy. You must show yourself merciful. If you want to obtain mercy, you told people, you keep people towed to a hard line, they're going to do you the same way. But if you learn to love people with the love of Christ, you'll find they're pretty forgiven. They're pretty forgiven of you. They're pretty forgiven of me if we'll just love them right. And the truth is, I believe when we get close to God, He gives us a love of fellow Christians. I believe tonight, if you just can't put up with other Christians, I believe I'd check up on my love of Christ tonight. I believe I'd ask myself this, Lord, you loved them enough to die for them. Why can't I love them enough to put up with them? I believe I'd just spend a little time around the altar and say, God in heaven, I feel like I love you, but I want you to teach me to love you more. I want you to give me a burning love in my heart for Jesus Christ. Vance Havner, you say that's what revival is, is people falling in love with Jesus Christ all over again. I've seen a group of young people fall in love with Jesus Christ this week. I've seen a group of young people that went from being gnarled up in rebellion, not all of them, but some of them, gnarled up in rebellious till by the end of the week they was breaking in prayer, praying for you, praying for you and me, praying for you. These kids learned how to love God this week, not because they saw an example, but because the Holy Spirit of God moved in their heart. That's why. And I believe tonight there's some of us that it'd do well just check up with our love for the Lord. And it'd do well for us to get on an old-fashioned altar and cry out to God and say, Lord, I know I haven't loved you like I ought to, but God, I want you to teach me to love you more.